Let's go. Spread right, fake spear. Play pass, 16 counter, Z deep angle. Full back west right, zoom. Full back left, pass half back at zero, Z quick screen left, on one. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Growing the Game with Ballsy. This is installment 340. As you can see, I want to give a shout out to some of our sponsors and proud partners. One of our title sponsors, the good gang over there at Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and Prince Alberts. They're your SGI-accredited auto body repair shop, a family-owned and certified collision care OEM-approved auto body shop, providing comprehensive service as part of a worldwide network of best-in-class collision repair shops. Their customer service team can manage the entire process on your behalf to ensure everything you need is taken care of. Their high-performing, technically advanced team of auto body experts knows how to deliver exceptional workmanship and service in the shortest time possible. Choose Advantage Collision because they care about your safety. Our first quarter is brought to you by Face First Medical Aesthetics. Beat back father time in a naturally looking way with Crescinda Takach and her great staff over there at Face First Medical Aesthetics in the heart of Regina just above Gabo's on Dudney Avenue. And in our first quarter, we're going to hear from Stefan Ensign, the offensive coordinator of the Regina Thunder, the defending PFC champion Regina Thunder, who came up just short in the Canadian Bowl on home turf against the Okanagan Sun last November. They're going to be taking part in a preseason game and a final tune-up before they kick off their regular season going up against the Rifles in Brandon. Stefan, uh, a team trying to get back to the Canadian Bowl, had a great season, won the PFC, and just came up short on home turf. Just your thoughts on uh, what you got coming back, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, obviously the way it ended last year was tough. Sour taste in our mouth. We, You know, it's it's hard to well, it's fun to go undefeated, I suppose, until the last game, but that was, that was a tough one. Two points uh, has sat with us all winter, and and we have had a little bit of turnover. We're going to have a new quarterback this year with Carter Shuchek leaving, and we have a we have an open competition. So we're kind of going through a little bit of that right now with Nick Hasselfield and Carter Moberg, and and Ethan Hug is getting some reps as well. And and we hope to kind of decide who's going to be the guy by the end of our our exhibition game this week. Um, and they're neck and neck. It's 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 been great. Lots of new receivers. Isaac Ford um, and Ryland Sokol have moved on, but we got we got a ton of guys like we're, you know, we're feeling really talented there. Our running back room is as good as it's ever been. And, and the place where I think everything starts offensive line, we have a lot of returning bets. So we feel pretty confident that, uh, is it Huggins? You said, isn't he the lefty from Winston Nola? Am I right when I say that? He's a righty, Huggy. Uh, oh. he's a huggy. Yeah. Hug is his last name. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, he's, uh, He's he's a he's a righty. He's, he's short, but he can he can really spin the ball, man. He can he can really go. Well, we know a short guy that could spin the ball, Noah Picton. So let's not hold height against the guy exactly. when it comes to local quarterbacks. Tell us about the other two guys at quarterback. He's had open competition there. Yeah, Nick Hasselfield is uh, from Manitoba. He's he was been on our team last year. Um, was his first year. He's a he's a big, tall, strong guy. He's like six five, six six. He can throw the ball all over the field. Smart. Um, worked really hard in the off season to to improve and and uh and i think we're starting to see that on the field and carter moberg's from swift current um he's been on our team for two years uh the guy's phenomenal he can he can do basically anything with the ball as well and and a real team guy that's done a good job of um you know fitting in with the players and and doing doing everything he needs to do in the off season to be to be ready to compete so you know as as we said in the quarterback room they're neck and neck right now so they just need to keep playing and only good things can happen i suppose will this be a more run heavy team then if you've got a little change over at quarterback and receiver 
Well, I don't know. We were like maybe we we ran the ball last year. I think forty nine percent of the time. So we like we like to run the ball um, as it is. So it could be, but we we really do try to be week to week in what we do. So whatever we think we're better at than than the team that we're playing or wherever their weaknesses are, we try to attack. It's um, it's kind of as simple as that. But we you know if we can run the ball, we're gonna. Yeah. probably do it. Do you know much about the other teams? Like, where would your team stack up in terms of, uh, you know, you come back as the defending conference champs, but where do you stack up against the other teams? Well, I think we're as good as anybody else. Um, all I can judge, I mean, we have an idea of who the returning players are and what every other team. We, we spend a lot of time in the offseason, you know, kind of analyzing everything, but I can only judge where we are in terms of what I've seen on the practice field and what we'll see in the exhibition game in Brandon against Winnipeg, and and we're good. Like we have a we have a lot of talent. I'd say easily as much talent as we had last year, uh, possibly more. So, you know, our goal is to is to go out and win. That's kind of why we do it. It's uh, yeah. it's not just to kind of go have fun. It's like the winning part is the fun. So. Um, that's what we're looking to do, and that's that's what'll make us happy. Well, and that's where I go back to uh, what you know. One of my cases wasn't against Jake Dolagala, but my thing is, if 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 this is a win now business in the CFL, like you guys watch uh, copious amounts of tape, you got the film work, co- practice, and everything at the junior level. These guys do it for a living, full time. So if if you, you'd have to think they're going to put the best guys on the field, right? You know what I mean. I think that's the thing that you're you're a hundred percent right. It's it's and, and I mean in game results are important. So if the guy's not doing it despite yeah. what you see on the practice field, you gotta make changes. I understand that. But for the most part, like coaches are doing it not because they wanna upset fans or it's really what they think is right based on what they've seen on the practice field, based on the talent that they've evaluated. I mean, they're they're trying to win. Winning is what football is about. That's the number one thing when you get to the higher levels of football. And uh, I, I think most coaches really try to do their best to put themselves in the best spot they think to win. Yeah, for sure. And now, lastly, uh, Stefan Ensign, offensive coordinator, Regina Thunder. How much is this? How much do you like this preseason game to kind of work out the case? Because you have a short regular season of eight games. Well, it'll be something like uh, I like it. It's it's good to get a game. We've been practicing now. We've had our tenth practice will be tomorrow, and it's it's only so much you can do just going against each other. Obviously, it gets heated. It's been hot um, outside. Everybody's anxious and like ready to go. So I think a an opportunity to go against somebody else and and get an idea. You know, everybody will be pretty vanilla, but just to get an idea of where we're at is the most important thing to do. Thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Okay. No worries. Take care. <laughs> Our second title sponsor here in Drawing the Game with Ballsy is the Sasselex football program headed up by Zelko Stefanovic and his great wife Deb. They just had a camp up at the U of S for the first time ever as they continue to cultivate and grow the stars of tomorrow today. Our second quarter is brought to you by our good friends over there at Hammer Time Roofing in Saskatoon. My buddy Kevin Welsh doing a great job over there. He just, in fact, couldn't go to a game this year and gave his tickets through me to two deserving Ryder fans. The gentleman took his young four-year-old son to his first ever game. So thanks to Kevin Welsh for helping to support this podcast and also trying to build the game, not only on the field with supporting this podcast and getting the word out, but, but building the fandom in the stands too. 
Well, speaking of building the stars of tomorrow today, uh, this guy falls in that category. Rams coach Mark McConkie is his team is eager to show that last year was no fluke. They were picked by many to finish in the basement of Can West, but turned some heads as a very highly competitive playoff team. And he says there's no reason to expect any different now. Yeah, Mark, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for being on. Another training camp upon us. How excited are you? Yeah, we're excited. It's uh, it's here. It's a long off season. We all know that. And uh, yeah, we're starting about a week here, so we're uh, getting excited, gearing up here. So tell us about the team. Let's start in the uh, quarterback room. What's it look like? Yeah, it's gonna be good. Obviously, it's nice to have a returning quarterback. I know we've had a few years in a row where we've had a few uh, different guys in that position. So Noah Pelche is back, and I know he was at Ryder Camp and learned a lot, and he's really matured and. He's really grasping our offense a little bit better, and just the game slows down, as every player. I mean, I heard you talking about how good you were as a player, and it's true. I'll have to send your highlights in, Palsy, from the Rams, but (laughs) you know how it works, right? The more you play, the more the game slows down a little bit. So he's really been looking good. He had a good spring camp, good offseason for us. So we're excited to see him, what he can do at the helm uh, for us as we head into the 23 season. I think your radio's broken, Mark. You were good. I just played, but I did play. That's all I was trying to say. Now, you were a great <laughs> receiver when you played with the Rams. So let's uh, talk about that, though. What do you want to see from him? Because we talk about Mason Fine getting better. He was great week two. Like, not, well, he was pretty good. He outplayed Kelly. He was better in week two than his first week starting. In terms of Pelche, what do you want to see here his second year behind center that maybe you didn't see last year? Yeah, uh, I think a big thing would just be to take a little bit more command of the offense, uh, take charge in the huddle, just kind of more leadership thing. And then just kind of working through his progressions. Like instead of, because as a first-year guy, right, you're swimming, a lot, everything's moving fast, but really to slow down the game and really be like, okay, like if I get this coverage, I can work two progression, two, three to the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes he just got a little bit locked in on number one guy. But again, I thought he did well for a first-year guy. We threw a lot at him, but now we're, we're pushing him a little bit more offensively on – what he can do and what we're going to be able to do uh, in our offense. So just do that and make the right reads and make the right throws. And we know he's got the talent for it. So we're, we're excited. I think we got good, good stuff in for him to be successful. And now we'll see how, he, uh, how camp goes. Well, you're only as good as your offensive line. you got to have guys that can block. What's that looking like this year? Really good. Um, it, honestly, it's probably one of the first times it's, I think, our strength of our offense. I think I really oh, wow. think it is. And, Obviously, you got to give a lot of credit to Brett Jones. He's been training our guys, working out with them uh, for over a year now, for about 16 months now. So a lot of credit to, to Brett Jones and Roe, and we've revamped our run game a little bit, put in a few concepts, and obviously Brett's been taking a lot of the lead on that, him and Dwayne Mason. And, uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't want to give out too much information, but we're, we're excited. At spring camp, it was definitely the strength of our team. And uh, it hasn't been that way for a long time, so we're we're really excited about our, what our big guys can do. Hey, wait a minute, McConkey. Wait a minute. Do I have to blame you? Everybody's asking me why Brett Jones is in peak physical condition. Why is he not playing football? Why can't we get him on the Riders? Is it because you've got him locked into this lucrative multi-year deal as a coach with the Rams, or what? <laughs> I wish. No, I wish. <laughs> I uh, I'll make up a lie just to appease the Rider fans. Where. We're trying to appeal to get him a fifth year of eligibility, so he wants to play one more year at the Rams. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. Well, it's good. To, it's good though. I mean, come on. Where do you where do you find a guy that played in the CFL at a high level, offensive lineman of the year, and then a Grey Cup champ, and then went in the NFL, even starred in a Super Bowl commercial? For gosh sakes. Yeah, it's pretty pretty special. Again, that's just who he is, and he's a Saskatchewan guy from Weber, and he's all about giving back to the community and. Uh, and again, yeah, it, it's helping him stay in shape too, right? For when he decides to go play CFL, whatever the case may be. And yeah, and our guys just love it. Like they, 
they love him. He's just a great coach, smart guy, great person, just a great ambassador for the program. So we're lucky to have him. So the head coach of the U of R Rams, Mark McConkie. What about the receivers that your quarterback gets to throw to? What does that look like this year? Yeah, it's exciting. So we get, obviously, a couple guys back. Sean Mims is a starter. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a big name for us. Bennett Stusick's going into his last year. And a big-name guy that came from the Thunder, who was one of the best players in junior football, is Rylan Sokol. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's done a really good job all winter at spring camp with us, and he's just a big-body guy, and he's made some nice big catches. So he'll be looking to be a starting receiver. So we expect big things from those guys. And obviously, Emmett Stedman's the starter from last year. He's just Mr. Consistent, and uh, he's always doing the right thing. So he'll have another good year for us, too. It's the defensive side of the ball where you, you lost some guys. You know, you, it's hard to replace a Ford, a Varga, the White, those kind of guys. Well, Ford and Varga for sure. Tell us about the defense and how you plan to fill those holes. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's going to be a tough one for sure when you lose lots of those guys. And even a guy that's super underrated and should have gotten lost her but didn't because we had two other great D linemen is Garth Knitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I think we had the best front seven in all of U sports. So it's going to be hard to, to mirror that again this year. But. I know Coach Gray is uh, one of the smartest D coordinators out there. He's, he's got a good plan in place to, to plug some holes and have another successful defense. Obviously, it's going to be a bit of a step back when you lose those guys. I think we're a little bit stronger and a little bit more depth in the back end, so we can rely a little bit more on our DBs and coverage to put them in tougher spots. So I know Coach Gray, is, again, he's a guy I trust, a guy who is really, really bright at what he does, and I know he'll put a good plan in place. But a little bit more, we got to score more points this year as an offense, and that's our challenge for offensive guys. Our defense won us a lot of games last year. And now it's the offense turn to step up and put up some more points. Well, can you be our Can West reporter right now? Try to take a little bit of bias out, but uh, you leave a little in. Uh, how do you think your team stacks up in, in this conference? I mean, the Huskies are the two-time defending Hardy Cup champs. Uh, uh, UBC should be a little bit better. Where do you guys fit in? Yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, I think under the radar, like I don't think U.S. Obviously, you lose a guy like Mason Nias, who's yeah. Should have been a heck right and winner twice, but that's uh, between you and I. And mm-hmm. uh, you lose one of the best quarterbacks in youth sports, so you're going to naturally have a bit of a regression. You just that's just how it is. We had no pick, and they had Nia, same thing. Yeah. So they're going to be they'll be up there, but I think I think UBC's uh, sneaky good. Uh, Coach Nails got those two big tackles back, who could have easily been in the CFL and be gone. So they came back, and I think UBC will be the team to beat. UBS, you got to give them their props. They're always up there. And, and after that, I think it's wide open, and it's Can West, right? We got voted last year, last game in yeah. second. So you never really know, and when you look at the games, there's going to be a lot of one-score games out there, so we just got to find ways to win those games like we did last year. And you got to find the ways that, we've always said this, right, Mark, uh, even back when you were playing under Frank and Bernie, you got to win those home games. you got to win the majority of your home games to give yourself a chance to get into the playoffs, and you don't want to get behind the eight ball early. Like This is a hard, this is a very hard trophy to win. Very hard, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a tough conference. You, you beat up on each other for eight straight games, and you go into playoffs again in the cold, and it's uh, it's tough. There's no easy games. There's no games where you're pulling your starters and resting them at half like you get in some of the other conferences. So it's uh, it's a slugfest. But I wouldn't have it any, any other way. All right. And lastly, uh, what do you want to what do you want to improve on as a head coach? Now you're starting to get a little bit more mature here. Uh, I think it's your second full year as the guy. You were interim before, but what what do you want to do better this year? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think I just want to be uh, just more present uh, during the games. I know I get sometimes caught up on the offensive side of the ball and uh, really dialed in with the quarterbacks. But again, I got smart guys. Actually, Josh Donnelly is coming on staff, so he's helping uh, in the pass game as our pass game coordinator and uh, lean on guys like Dwayne Mason and Ro Boardman a little bit more. So I don't have to be, I guess, essentially to say, be less of a control freak. And that's kind of what I am. And now it's time to not step back, but let our other guys empower other coaches and let them do their thing. And 
that's exactly what I've done on special teams and defense, and it's really worked. So try to empower some of our other coaches and let them uh, take some reins for a little bit here. I think that's a great thing you brought up, and I'm just going to piggyback that for a second. Uh, I often wonder that when like a guy's a head coach and a D coordinator or a head coach and, and calls the plays, and not just in U sports, but I'm talking in, in pro sports, sometimes I think uh, it does. it's kind of split in hair sometimes, isn't it? It is. It's tough for sure. And you get so one-sided, worried about the offense. And uh, even when you're talking to the team, are you talking to the team as the offensive coordinator or head coach? And that's something that uh, I got in a guy I look up to, Coach Dusa, called me out on last year. He's like, why are you talking to the team as the OC? Like, talk as the head coach. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that. So that's probably something, again, that I'm going to be working on this year is when I'm the head coach, I'm the head coach. And when I'm the OC, I'm the OC to try to really – separate those and maybe I got to be become bipolar but whatever it is I got to figure it out <laughs> well, that's a good way to put it and it's a great uh, great thing to recognize in uh, in you and uh, I think players respect that when you actually uh, you know you you admit that you got to do something different and I think uh, they'll they'll buy in more thanks for your time man can't wait to uh, to cover your games again this year okay right on. thanks for having me the MMA and the WWE come together at BBW to shop for some ultra chic coconut body scrub. It's go time between the hand soaps and the three wick candles. In one corner, the girl buying the lemon mint leaf broom spray versus the girl getting the passion fruit and banana flower body cream. Shelves of foaming scented hand soap have never been more dangerous. Don't miss the bone crushing tactics. Excitement with extra soft skin. Bath and Body Works, Scottsdale Fashion Square. Be there. I want to thank another one of my title sponsors, and that would be John Ryan, the Regina football royalty, only Saskatchewan kid to win a Super Bowl, always gives back to his community, including this podcast. I know he's coming back for a U of R fundraising event with his great wife, the lovely and talented Sarah Colonna. want to thank him for supporting this podcast and all he's done for minor football here in Regina. Of course, he got to live out a dream by finishing his career, at least towards the tail end of his career, with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Time now for our halftime segment, and at halftime here on Growing the Game with Ballsy, we like to have something for everybody. You don't have to be a football player necessarily to tune into this one. It is our health and lifestyle expert. That would be our exercise queen, Tish Duffy. She's been training men and women, pros and Joes or Jens for over 30 years and she always has some helpful lifestyle and exercise advice. Everybody that I know that's uh, trying to uh, step up their fitness game or continue down that journey runs into a wall. I'm sure even the great Tish Duffy's ran into a wall or two where you just don't feel like working out or your car wants to drive in three different directions other than going to the gym. So do you have some uh, quick tips to keep people on the right track? Absolutely. Uh, This is a great topic because I think you're right. We all, including you and me, who are active all the time, do get in rut. So this is sort of my three-star rule instead of five. I think five stars is often a little overwhelming. So I kind of try to keep it to three stars. So the first one is try to commit to three strength sessions. Um, Your body doesn't know the differences between stresses. So if you're stressed at work, stressed in your relationship, you're not getting sleep, uh, you're not eating properly. All these are stresses. And then you add on to an, a workout. Your body is going to be completely overwhelmed and it will not respond. 
So I try to get my clients to train three times a week. And this is why I love my program so much is because that's all I offer. And that's all I do. Uh, who has more than three hours a week to strength train? I certainly don't. And I think a lot of people would be in the same position. So if you, if you commit to this three times a week, you understand that there's lots of days that you can take off to rest or do other things that you love. Uh, the second thing is you have to get three balanced meals in each day. So these are nutrient-dense nutrient meals. Um, they're real food. So this might include a little bit of prepping, a little bit of grocery shopping on the weekend. But if you can commit to a little bit of extra time and have that food in the fridge and get prepping, those three meals will fuel your body for those three workouts. The last thing, and probably the one that I really encourage the most, is stop eating three hours before bed. Now, this can be a challenge because people like to sit down, relax, and think they deserve, you know, that bedtime snack. But we really certainly shouldn't need anything if we're eating those three meals that are full of nutrients and high-protein meals. Your body has digested that food. You're going to wake up. You're going to sleep better. You're going to wake up feeling ready to eat again. Plus, you're going to want to start the day and get up early. So if you're hungry, a little bit hungry, I don't say hungry, but I say to clients, a little package before you go to bed. Instead of grabbing that snake snack, just go to bed, get up, and you're going to be ready to get up and eat a really good, high-nutritious high breakfast. You can check out Tish Duffy and all her great tips on her social media platform. She's everywhere. Train with Tish is the handle. Thanks for your time, Tish. My pleasure, Michael. Have a great day. I want to give a shout out to another one of my sponsors, Mirad El Khatib, who's a president of AGT Foods, obviously, as he has been a world entrepreneur of the year, and we're very happy to have him in our community. But he's also president of the Regina Thunder, along with uh, their great board members. They've really uh, propped up that team. They're the defending PFC champions, so you know they're great on the field, but off the field, lots of great community initiatives and giving scholarship, a record amount of scholarships for a junior football program towards post-secondary education for their players. Well, a lot of the players that go through the football Saskatchewan program end up on teams in Saskatchewan, the Hilltops, the Huskies, the Rams, the Thunder. They were going for a fourth consecutive title before Smoke canceled the event before the gold medal game as Saskatchewan was going to play Quebec. One of the great coaches on their staff Dwayne Mason, who's a running backs coach with the U of R Rams, but he's also been involved with this program for a few years. He's the head coach. I caught up with him just before they were about to embark on the championship, which, like I said, was never played. I cut myself shaving, Dwayne. I'm leaking blood, so I probably am like it's it's I'm hemorrhaging, man. I, I should grow my beard like you. Yeah, that's what yeah, I should do. Save money and save injuries. Anyway, how much is that culture and picking the right forty to win instead of maybe the best forty players led you to be on the precipice of maybe a fourth straight championship? Um, we think there's quite a bit to it. Like you know, we just there's kind of a process that's sort of just been developed over the years that that kind of football Saskatchewan, kind of everything about it. And, and we try and, you know, convince the kids that this is going to be a bit of an advantage for us. And uh, even just simple things like how we travel back and forth to the mess hall or, or how we get to our meeting places or, or any of those little things like that. Uh, and we just start talking about it early in the process so that the players understand it. And, you know, uh, 
this generation of players will do whatever you need them to do, but sometimes they need to know about it and they like asking questions. And we I've, honestly, right at the beginning, 250 guys trying out, and we're talking about the process, how we're going to get to the mess hall, you know, what we're going to wear and how we're going to travel as a group and things like that. And I think if, if everything's uh, you know on board, right in front of them, they understand that there will be an advantage to it, and like our kids just buy in and. You know, over the course of the week, uh, as the tournament progresses, you know, you see other teams just sort of fall off that. And a lot of teams are trying to duplicate a little bit of what we're doing, but it, it's hard for them to be to sustain it without a real good plan. Dwayne Mason here, Regina Rams running backs coach, but also the uh, head coach of the U18 team in the Canada Cup. So you can't have a play, you can't have the same guys for four years, but do you have a. Uh, um, a mindset that if they're good enough, you're going to roll them over for a couple of guys over, and then just keep that progression going over the years, so that you, you know, because the best, the best teams are the ones that are player driven, so they know already what's going on in the locker room. Yep, no, you're exactly right about that, and we we talk about that too early on in the process about you know um, leaning on the players who were here last year, you know, not necessarily here, but wherever the tournament was, leaning on those players to, to find out what you're going to expect, like. How does it work in the dorm situation? You know, uh, you're sharing a, a floor. This year we're sharing a floor with Team BC. Um, you know, just how those things work out. You know, little things. Like, we don't take the elevator. You know, we're on the third floor. You don't need to take the elevator. These are, you know, 40 of the best football athletes in, in the province. They don't need to take an elevator up three floors. Um, so we're, we're up and down the stairs. Seems like a minor thing, but, of course, one of the teams this week put too many guys in the elevator, got the elevator stuck. So their players sat in there for 45 minutes. Just small things that we tell the new players to the team, lean on the veteran players uh, who've had experience at the tournament, see what it's all about. And, and you know, I, I think that really helps us. Uh, and I think actually, Michael, you and I talked about a little bit last year with the COVID situation the previous two years prior to last year, uh, there had been no tournament. So we had no carryover of players. Uh, so basically, we had to take 40 new players and try and teach them, you know, an existing culture uh, that we we've sort of tried to cultivate. Um, you know, we didn't have that, and so the the veterans of last year's team really, really understand how important the culture was uh, and how it helped them. So now they're like openly selling it; they bought in, and, and you know, and you're right. Once you get the players to buy in, and they can start policing themselves and making sure we're on time and doing all those little things, you know, it, it really makes coaching quite a bit easier. To me, that's uh, that's equally or more important than wins and losses and touchdowns. When you when you are getting the accolades, and when you're getting teenagers, we're talking teenagers here, okay? Uh, they're buying in on this stuff. That is that is outstanding, and that's a great job by Football Saskatchewan and guys like you. It's almost time for his football game. He likes his things all the same he watches his team from his favorite chair prefers it when no one else is there lonely man cave beer for the guy who drinks alone lonely man cave beer this is his house his home Got his cool sports signs and flags and a sports blanket hanging over his chair. So keep your stupid sports opinions to yourself, cause he don't care. Lonely Man Cave Beer, cause when there's only one beer left in the six pack, he knows who's gonna drink it. Drink alone responsibly.
All right, time to bring it home here. The fourth quarter stretch on Growing the Game with Ballsy installment 340. We can't do it without guys like Paul Waldo. He was a LaBoldis Golden Sun. He was a Regina Thunder football player. He played for the U of S. He coaches at the U of S. And he won three Grey Cup championships. Two with Montreal, one with Saskatchewan. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And he wants to help you buy or sell a home at uh, Royal LePage, the Paul Waldo Royal LePage team over there. Give him a call. Get in the real estate game. 306-502-5355. Earlier we were talking about the cancelled Canada Cup and the guy who had to make the tough decision or was at the head of that tough decision was Jim Mullen, the president. Uh, Jim, obviously not a great end to what uh, was a pretty good tournament to that point. Yeah, it was a pretty good tournament until that point. It was really uh, well organized by the local organizing committee at uh, Football Alberta. They had to actually react to a number of things uh, throughout that week. Uh, the LRT was uh, chosen as the path of uh, transport for the teams. On day one, uh, there was a team on a platform, and a woman pulled a knife on them. And all of a sudden, we had to abandon that based on the risk and hire a fleet of buses to uh, move players around and back and forth. And then the smoke came in. We had indoor facilities for some practices that we uh, that we had to employ. And uh, by the time we got to Commonwealth Stadium uh, for the final, um, unfortunately, the uh, the organizing committee and the staff of Football Canada strung it out for as long as they could uh, to to play the final game. Uh, but uh, by the time we got to 7:45 at night, nothing had changed in the city. Uh, I was over in the uh, over in the hotel for uh, all of the Saturday. It kind of turned into my job to uh, receive uh, parents and families and talk with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were uh, anywhere from sympathetic to very upset. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it was it was my job to uh, deescalate and explain and really engage them on a on a on a one by one basis mm-hmm. of two, uh, over two dozen of them yeah. uh, throughout the course of the day and the night and you know it's hard when a um, uh, single mom for example for example and I came across this a couple of times in these discussions when you're putting twenty seven hundred dollars down to uh, put your kid into a in, into a tournament and there's uh, recruiting opportunities and there's team Canada opportunities and you come up a game short, you're going to have a lot of questions. You're going to have a lot of questions about contingency plans uh, and and other items, uh, even though it was clear that the uh, that the air was unsafe in Edmonton. And I'm a guy from BC, and I've seen a lot of smoke uh, mm-hmm. uh, from forest fires. That that was, uh, in a word, putrid in, in Edmonton. It uh, was really bad, ballsy. I um. So I know Jim Mullen, and I know Jim Mullen is a defender of Canadian football and promotes it at all levels and all versions of it uh, internationally. So I would, you know, I would uh, be on the side of thinking you 
involved in this mix would do what you could to make sure this game would go off. Because as you mentioned, there's recruiting, there's this. These kids go through such a process just to get to here, all the tryouts and all that type of thing. So it's not like we're just, uh, uh, for instance, it's not a preseason game between the Rams and the Dinos in Medicine Hat. This is a national championship. Did Was there ever any discussion about going to Calgary or Lethbridge or asking the parents, hey, this is going to cost us, but we can move this to a different location, you know, like like I just said? Yeah, there was discussion uh, both from the local organizing committee and from the staff of Football Canada on that. That started on the uh, night before. Uh, to uh, take a look at other alternatives, Red Deer was uh, was mentioned as an alternative. Calgary was uh, mentioned as an alternative. Obviously, costs involved in that. And uh, as uh, as you know, uh, we run on a, a fairly thin dime uh, uh-huh. as an organization. We have five point six percent of uh, of financing in comparison to say a Hockey Canada. Like uh-huh. we, we we're as a non Olympic sport. Uh, we don't we don't have uh, a lot of room for error when it comes to these things. As a matter of fact, football Alberta uh, on this because of some of the curveballs that were thrown at them, the cost of Commonwealth Stadium that was essentially never used. Uh, you know that's that's a sixty thousand dollar price tag, and that's big for for a PSO. Uh, there there is an indoor facility that was uh, that's attached to Commonwealth Stadium. It's not a full Canadian football field. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was discussion of having um, a, a shootout format in that field. Um, one of the teams uh, wanted to do it. Uh, that was uh, ready for the gold medal game. The other team didn't, and I'm not going to mention which team did and which team didn't. Mm-hmm. But if you're not getting consensus on that then you can't move ahead with it. So, uh, you know, uh, I guess perfect's the enemy of, uh, of good in this, uh, in this situation, or uh, maybe even perfect's the enemy of mediocre in this situation. There could have been some football played, but uh, one side didn't see it that way. Yeah, okay, that's, uh, that's good. That's, uh, that's why I have you on to bring things to light for sure. Hey, so here's something for you. What happens if... Because as you as you're well aware, you you have a hand in putting this together. So you know it's a lot of work. Uh, you know the Alberta organization, then you got the member organizations bringing their teams here. There's a lot of work and time and everything put into it. Okay, a lot of tears probably from parents and kids. Um, what if what if I'm just throwing this out there? What if some rich philanthropist wanted to put a game on and put money towards this? Would would could, could we still salvage something somewhere here? Oh sure, uh, there is a possibility of salvaging something. It would either have to happen very quickly, or it would have to happen after the uh, high school and uh, and college season is over with. So. Mm-hmm. You know, is there is there a place we can do that? Well, you've got two teams in a gold medal final, Saskatchewan and Quebec. Uh, you know, I've talked to a few people in Quebec City already about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite frankly, not to, not to get anybody's hopes up, but um, that that attempt to get communication going out there to uh, go to a place where you could create a gate uh, that could uh, that could fund the travel. We certainly don't want families having to pay twice for the same event. So it has to make sense economically. Or if there's somebody, you know, for instance, in the Saskatchewan community that would want to pick something like that up, uh, we could do it in in the other direction as well. So yeah. 
if somebody wants to step up, either do it very, very soon uh, or do it at a time when uh, when football's wrapped up and we can have a very cold bowl game, that would be fantastic. <laughs> That's good, man. Rest assured. I just wanted to bring delight. Rest assured that, you know, this wasn't a decision taken lightly. That's kind of the point I wanted to pound home, even though, you know, there's a wide range of emotions. And you know me, Jim, you've talked me off the ledge about some things before. <laughs> I probably, you telling me Ethan Ball couldn't play in a championship game after he tried and worked his, his ass off, I probably would have been up one side of you and down the other, and then we would have broke bread, had a beer, and been okay. But rest assured, you guys didn't make this decision lightly. No, not at all. But I also think that this speaks to uh, a deficit that we have in this country of uh, of indoor facilities for for summer sports. Um, you know, we got great hockey rinks across this country, uh, but you know, in in terms of uh, in Edmonton, uh, you know, that facility for playing indoor sports with. Uh, with a few pews on the side so we can get fans into it. That doesn't exist. Well, Jim, let me stop you. Uh, let me let me stop you yeah. because I went – the very first recruiting trip my son ever took was to Foot Field with Chris Morse in the U of A. It was a great experience. It was cold when we went. They had the bubble there. They had an inflatable bubble. I, I, I wonder, when I heard about this, was there any opportunity – does that still exist? Can it be put up in a in an emergency situation like this? Not in a day, not in two days, not in three days, about a week-long uh, okay. process for that. And and it may have uh, impacts on the kicking game as well. Yeah. Uh, there's also a, an issue with run-out along the sidelines for safety. Mm. Uh, you know, your son uh, plays at uh, North Dakota. Right. A fantastic facility. I've been down there to the Alaris Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and there are similar types of uh, facilities all through, uh, you know, that region of the United States going all the way down to uh, Northern Arizona and the Dakotas and the Kibbe Dome and all of those sorts of places. Yeah, you know, basically we're talking about an air- airplane hangar with uh, with a football slash soccer slash rugby field in it, with some stands on the side. Mm-hmm. Like, can't our communities find a way to do what they've done uh, for winter sports and do the same for summer sports? That's going to be the next step because I'll tell you what. These forest fires and these cycles with climate change, you can argue about climate change, what the cause of it is, but it's here. And it ain't going away. And we're going to have situations like this repeating again and again and again. And if we want to keep sports going on for our kids, we need those facilities across Canada in our community. 